Good morning, everyone. Welcome. Good to see you here today. It's good to share this time of worship and fellowship with you, and we welcome everyone here this morning, especially our guests. We're glad that you're here today and hope that you'll feel very much part of our family as we worship God together. Let me remind everyone of our attendance sheets on each row. We'd like to ask if you would uh, to take those and fill them out so we could have a record of your attendance with us. Uh, just give us whatever information you feel comfortable giving to us, uh, name, address, and especially if you'd like to receive our email email newsletter. Uh, uh, give us your email address. We send that out every Thursday. It's a good way to keep up with the activities and opportunities here at Community Baptist Church. Also, go ahead and take your phone and check in on your smartphone. Let everybody know you're here today. And just a few announcements that I'd like to uh, call to your attention this morning. On Saturday, this coming Saturday, we will be serving lunch at uh, the Salvation Army. And so if you would like to volunteer to be a part of that, then please see Christina, Christine Cornelius, and uh, she'll get you signed up for that. We also, uh, you'll notice we have a blood drive coming up next month, and our Highway 60 yard sale that we participate in every year, uh, so put those on your calendar, and uh, if you have some things to bring in to sell, then uh, we are collecting that, and um, and take, take note of all the other things in the uh, worship folder that your uh, uh, opportunities for you to be involved with. Uh, we're glad that you're here today, and it's good to share the love of Christ with one another. So let me invite you now to let us stand and, uh, and greet your brothers and sisters with God's love.
Oh God, living in a world that seems to have gone crazy, we come to you this morning not just seeking answers, but seeking strength and courage. We pray for courage to be the people that you have called us to be. People who seek justice and peace through your love for everyone. We are a deeply divided people, O oh God. We see so many who are constantly battling one another, either through words or even worse, through violence. Surely we human beings must test your patience. But we know that your love is unconditional and always forgiving. That is our hope, that you love us unconditionally. And that we may somehow do the same for others. Oh God, this morning we lift up especially those who are not like us. And we pray that you would help us to find ways to not alienate people, but to affirm all of your people. Surely we must know that you love all of us and consider each and every one of us to be an important part of your creation. Help us, O oh God, to be more like your Son who came to show us how to live and, and how to respect each other. We lift up those who are sick or hurting in some way. Give them peace and strength to face their circumstances. Give strength, strength to the oppressed and those who are victims of violence. But God, we also lift up those who are oppressors. Those who are per perpetrators of harm. Those who feel the need to put others down through name-calling and belittlement. But they need your love, too. Use people in their lives to show them a different path. A path of goodness and hope. And God, we ask that you would help us to be change agents in our world. Give us courage to speak out about our faith and to teach those around us about your love for all people and to lead by example showing respect and speaking with respect to others all of these things we ask O oh God in the name of the Prince of Peace our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ Amen
pray together, please. Gracious God, we've gathered in your house, in this place, on this day, to worship you. Help us to understand why we're here. Some may have come to receive a blessing, others seeking your will for their lives. And Lord, there's, there's nothing wrong with being or feeling blessed, but our worship should be much deeper than that. Our Father, your will for our lives is not some evasive secret that keeps changing. You came down to earth. You walked among us. You showed us how to live, how to be a servant, how to love. So, Lord, uh, and how to bring your kingdom to this earth here and now. The question for us is, are we willing to be followers of Christ, the one who came to show us the way, challenge us through our worship today to be willing to go out these doors and bring your kingdom to this world and right here, even in our own community. We ask your blessing on our gifts today and bless the time that we give and the talents that we share and we pray that every effort made to serve our risen Savior Jesus Christ in whose name we pray. Amen. Jesus went through one town and village after another, 
teaching as he made his way to Jerusalem. Someone asked him, Lord, will only a few be saved? He said to them, Strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able. When once the owner of the house has got up, shut the door, and you begin to stand outside and to knock at the door, saying, Lord, open to us. Then in reply, he will say to you, I do not know where you come from. Then you will begin to say, We ate and drank with you, and you taught in our streets. But he will say, I do not know where you come from. Go away from me, all you evildoers. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, and you yourselves thrown out. Then people will come from east and west, from north and south, and will eat in the kingdom of God. Indeed, some are last who will be first, and some are first who will be last. This is the word of the Lord.
just love those old hymns. <laughs> Aren't they fun? Jonathan Romick tells about a place that um, he likes to go caving near his home in Estes Park, Colorado. Uh, someone has defined caving as the art of safely moving through a natural cave to a destination and returning to the surface without hurting yourself or the cave. <laughs> caving, of course, is also known as spelunking, and, and many people find a lot of uh, challenge and, and and, and, uh, and a lot of joy in spelunking and caving. However, it is not for those who suffer from claustrophobia. The place that Pastor Romick tells about is a mountain in Colorado called Old Man Mountain. And Old Man Mountain is not for everyone. You see, about, about halfway up the mountain, there is an opening that you can squeeze through that leads through a series of more crevices and caves and eventually comes, down, comes out down at the bottom of the mountain, down at the base of the mountain. However, that initial crack is what determines who gets to go caving and who doesn't. For you see, that crack is only about 12 inches wide. And so if you're any larger than 12 inches wide, you're not getting in. <laughs> That story reminds me of our Bible passage for today. Then Jesus went through the towns and villages teaching as he made his way to Jerusalem. And someone asked him, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? And Jesus said to them, make every effort to enter through the narrow door. Because many, I tell you, will try to enter and not be able to. Did you catch that? Make every effort to enter through the narrow door. Personally, I hope it's wider than 12 inches. <laughs> but here's the truth that we need to see. The door to having a rich and fulfilling life is always a narrow one. And if you think about that for just a moment, you will realize that this is true. Because a lot of people have come to life's open doors, but only a few have made it through. Thousands upon thousands of young boys and girls have grown up bouncing basketballs and, and dreaming of a life as a professional basketball player, but only a very small handful are chosen each year. Woe be unto the young man or young woman who is talented in sports but neglects his or her education. Because it will probably be your education or your training that will define your future and not your athletic prowess. The door is very narrow. Thousands of thousands of new businesses are started every year. But only a small number of people in our society will become super successful in material terms. And the higher you go up the scale, the smaller the numbers become. Thousands upon thousands of young couples will stand at altars of churches like this and pledge their love to one another. But half of those marriages will end in divorce. 
Many will stay together for convenience or for appearance or for the children. And some will find true fulfillment in their marriages. But the door to a rich and fulfilling life is a narrow one. And life is a continual challenge. And so we should not be surprised that when when Jesus was asked, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? That he answered by saying, make every effort to enter through the narrow door, because many, I tell you, will try to enter, but will not be able to. I have to admit to you this morning that, that this teaching is a little bit disturbing to me. Because it tells me that I do you no favor as your pastor if I try to portray the Christian life as easy. My friends, if you think your life of Christian discipleship is easy, then you're doing it wrong. The fact is that living a rich and fulfilling life requires a lot of dedication and a lot of sacrifice. And you know, common sense should tell us that because a rich and meaningful life of any kind in any area of our lives requires dedication and sacrifice. So how can, how can our lives of Christian faith demand any less of us? It should be demanding more of us. People who are successful in any worthwhile endeavor, they pay a price for it. To get where you want to go in life requires that you work for it. My friend and and one of Rachel's best friends, Marquise Carter, who has been, he's been here before. He's worked very hard to get where he is, and he's overcome a, a lot of obstacles in his life. He put himself through college and got a bachelor's degree at U of L and uh, got a master's degree at Westminster College. And last year, we attended his graduation at IU, where he was hooded with a doctorate of music. Now he's teaching music pedagogy at, in, at uh, Georgia Southern University, doing what he loves to do. He posted something on Facebook just a few days ago that I think expresses where he has been in his life and also explains the necessity of working hard to achieve greatness. It's this picture of an iceberg, and I'm not sure if you can make everything out there, but uh, as we've always been told, an iceberg... Um, At the top, what you see at the top of an iceberg is only a small portion of the whole thing. And at the top of this iceberg, you'll see it's an iceberg of success. And at the top of it, what people see are the diplomas and the trophies and the awards. But underneath there, there is sacrifice, staying healthy. Good habits, focus, disappointment, persistence, daily goals, meeting targets, expenses, time management, determination, tears, sleepless nights, and rejection. In other words, to achieve success, to get to that point where people can see what's on the top, 
You have to go through all that stuff at the bottom. You have to work for it. You have to suffer for it. You have to struggle through the hardship to achieve success. One of the most demanding challenges in sports is the Tour de France and the bicycle race. And one committed cyclist, Gilbert Duclos LaSalle, once wrote an article for the National Geographic magazine. The title of the article, I think, is a great title for the Tour de France. It was called An Annual Madness. And in this article, he described his, this arduous experience of riding in the Tour de France. He says the bicycle race is a strenuous test, including some of France's most difficult mountainous terrain. Physical needs such as eating and drinking are done on the run. Temperature extremes add to the cyclist's challenges. And LaSalle indicates that he rode his bicycle over 2,000 miles a year to train for this event. That's almost 60 miles every single day. And what kind of trophy or cash prize motivates a cycler to train so rigorously and endure such hardship and pain? The prize is a special winner's jersey. That's it. That's all you get, a jersey that's different from everybody else's. That's the grand prize. That and the thrill of sweeping through the Arc de Triomphe on the last day of the race and therefore being able to say that you finished the Tour de France. Now, obviously, only a few people in the world are able to motivate themselves to endure such a rigorous ordeal. But we need to realize that anything that's truly worth pursuing in this life requires dedication and sacrifice. That's true of athletics. That's true of academics. That's true in our relationships. It's true in business. You have to work for what you want. A very successful businessman, the head of a large corporation, was speaking to a, a, a large group of people at a banquet given in his honor. And he said to this crowd of people, success is easy and most people can achieve it overnight. And then he <clears throat> cleared his throat and said, of course, that's going to be the longest night you've ever had. <laughs> And what he was trying to say, of course, was that success in business requires commitment. The philosopher Goethe once said that everyone wants to be somebody, but nobody wants to grow. And unfortunately, he's right. We want gain without pain. We want triumph without really trying. But folks, let me tell you something. Life does not work that way. The door is narrow. And that's true in sports. It's true in business. It's true in academics. It's true in family life and in our spiritual lives as well. In everything worthwhile that we want to achieve, the door is narrow. And having a rich, fulfilling life requires commitment. And that means that sometimes in order to achieve what we want to achieve, we're going to have to make some hard choices. If you want to be a great athlete, you cannot abuse your body with 
tobacco or too much alcohol or illegal drugs or too much sugar or too little exercise. You're not going to be a great athlete if you do those things. You have to choose. If you if you want to be a good salesperson, you can't do that sitting in Starbucks sipping coffee all morning long unless you have customers that like to sip coffee in Starbucks as well. You can't build a lasting relationship with your spouse and ignore your commitments to one another. Successful living requires making hard choices. And choosing one thing often means that you are choosing not to have something else. I heard about a woman who was divorcing her husband after discovering that he had two other wives and several children by each of them. His explanation? He just couldn't bear the thought of hurting any of them, and so he married all three. And he was a traveling salesman, so he was able to get away with it for several years. Many of us simply do not want to make the hard choices that life requires of us. Psychologists tell us that that that's why so many of us tend to procrastinate. We want to put off facing the pain of making hard decisions. But folks, that is a, a sure formula for failure. Successful people recognize that making hard choices is a key to a rich and fulfilling life. Even Jesus had to make hard choices. Didn't he? Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but your will be done. He prayed that prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. And as he prayed that prayer, sweat rolled off of his body like great drops of blood. He was in such a dire state of mind. And I am confident that if Jesus had turned his back at that moment on the mission that God had given to him, we would have never heard from him again. We would have never heard of him again. That's the way life is. He could have gone back to to the workshop and spent the rest of his life as a simple carpenter. And there's nothing wrong with that. And that would have been the easy way out. But if he was going to save the world, he was going to have to give his life's blood, literally. Our problem is that some of us try to live in two worlds at the same time. Paul called them the world of the flesh and the world of the spirit. But in order to live in both of these worlds at the same time, we have to carry an awful lot of luggage. And listen to this, folks. The door is not wide enough for you to get through carting all that luggage around. You have to choose. And if you're going to walk with Jesus, there are some things that you're going to have to leave behind. It appears to me that there's a great temptation these days in church world and among many church leaders There's a temptation to settle for the sentimental, sloppy religion that soothes us and caresses us and really doesn't require anything of us. 
And that's an easy kind of faith. And it draws crowds of people to the big churches and arenas. But folks, let us not forget that the symbol of the Christian faith is not a cushioned pew or a casserole dish. It's a cross. And the fact is that living a rich and fulfilling life requires dedication and sacrifice. And living a, a, a rich and fulfilling life requires that we sometimes have to make some hard choices. But listen to this paradox. The door is narrow, but it is wide enough for anyone who truly wants to enter. Nobody has to be excluded. Doesn't make any difference what your past has been like. Doesn't make any difference of who you are or what you have or have not done or accomplished in your life. This door is big enough for you by your faithful commitment to follow our Lord Jesus Christ. And that, of course, is the meaning of grace. It breaks God's heart when we make a mess out of our lives, as we are all prone to do sometimes. But God will never force us against our will to change directions. However, we need to know that if we ever want to come home, the door is always open. It was open for the prodigal son. It was open for the woman at the well. And it is open for all of us who would enter by the narrow door of commitment to God's kingdom. One lost sheep was out there on the hillside and the good, the good shepherd left the 99 sheep who were safely in his care to go and retrieve that one lost sheep. But there's a difference between sheep and human beings. You see, God gave us human beings the ability to decide our own destiny. And it's up to us to choose if we're going to enter that narrow door or not. But if we choose to do so by His grace, it's wide open. Sometime back, there was a cartoon on the editorial pages of many newspapers around the country. Uh, the occasion was the, the celebration of Abraham Lincoln's birthday, and the cartoon showed a, a humble log cabin. And above the log cabin, there was a ladder that extended from the roof of the cabin upward, and then above the ladder, there was a drawing of the White House. And underneath that cartoon was the caption, The ladder is still there. My closing word to you today is that the ladder of grace is still there. The door is still open, and it's open wide enough to admit anyone and everyone who would enter. So the question is, what decision do we make? What choice do we make? Successful living requires commitment. It requires hard choices. Everything in our daily lives tell us that. And I would be misleading you today if I told you that Christian discipleship is any less demanding. But I can tell you this. The rewards 
far exceed the price. Someone once said that Jesus Christ didn't come in the world to make bad people good, but but to make dead people alive. And that's the possibility that he is offering to you today. The door is narrow. But not so narrow that you may not enter. So make every effort to enter the kingdom of heaven through the narrow door. Amen. Let us sing together. Um, What a wonderful hymn. And don't worry, we won't sing all 600 verses of it twice. But we are going to sing some. Just as I am. And I hope that as we sing this, you realize that that's how God accepts us, just as we are, as we make the commitment to God.